Hi there. Thanks for listening. This episode is sponsored by Matt, the Mortgage Guy, a California mortgage broker and real estate investor with your interest in mind. For good, honest advice and any of your residential financing needs, go ahead and shoot him a message at matt at themortgageguy.com or feel free to text him directly at 916-529-7600. Remember, when you're ready to apply, call Matt, the Mortgage Guy. And just so you know, for one rental at a time fans, he is waiving his $6.95 processing fee. Take care. Hey folks, I have a very special guest on the show. Someone uh, who's been on the show before, someone who's visited me in Fresno at the Hub and is just one of those go-givers. And oh, by the way, he runs a seven and near eight figure business. Let's welcome Jamil Damji to the show. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Mike, what's up, brother? Not much, man. Sorry, you got my little dog here in the view. He's a little unhappy. Hi, Jimbo. Jimbo, yeah. <laughs> hey, so Jamil, what I want to do here is I want to turn this over to you, right? Because you, you're, you're, you have some questions about 2021. You have some questions about emerging markets. I'm the buy and hold guy, and I think it's a great mesh of our story. But let me just turn it over to you and introduce yourself and take it wherever you want it to go. Love it. Love it. Uh, hi, folks. Michael Zuber's YouTube channel and friends. My name is Jamil Damji. I am the co-founder of this company right here called Kegley, and I am also the brand face and uh, uh, lead instructor, uh, top guy at Astro Flipping, which is our coaching community. And um, I, uh, I love what you guys are, are, are doing. I love what you're doing, Michael. I love your book. I read your book. It's amazing. I, I believe in the power of passive income. I believe in rentals and holding rentals. Of course, Let's be honest. I'm a wholesaler. So I'm allergic to holding houses. It's just where, look, I, I exist for you and you exist for me, right? I, I, need, I need guys like yourself to come and take the inventory that I'm allergic to holding. Mm -hmm. I love that you love passive cash flow. I love that. I love what your strategy is. It's great. Um, I'm on the other side of that. I feed that addiction for you, right? And that's sure. what wholesalers do. So I think 2021 is an amazing conversation piece because we've seen some unprecedented activity in the real estate market, especially through a global pandemic. Um, it was not surprising to me to see the real estate market just explode during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. In fact, the early days of the pandemic, if you go back and look at any of my social media feeds, I was one of those, the sky is not falling guys. I was telling everybody, Look, pay attention to interest rates, pay attention to these things, pay attention to inflation, pay attention to how much money we're printing right now, pay attention to assets that appreciate with inflation, pay attention to these things because this is where the money is going. Look at where private equity is sitting right now and how many homes private equity owns in America. That is a telltale sign that there is an, an inflationary event around the corner we are not headed for collapse. We are not headed for a depression. We are not headed for a crash. We are headed for the opposite. We are headed for a housing crisis. I was saying that from day one and lo and behold, I'm not calling myself a, a predictor, but I just paid attention to the elements. I paid attention to the precursors. I, I, I do have a degree in science. And in science, I learned in chemistry, you have to know what are the materials you're working with and with those materials and, the, and certain conditions, you always get a result, right? And I think that we have that exact situation happening right now. We have the raw materials in our hand of low interest rates. Mm -hmm. We have low inventory. Mm -hmm. 
and we have inflationary uh, an inflationary event around the corner. We are printing money like we have never seen before, no right? Question. No question. So that coupled with the American workforce learning that it is not necessary to be stuck in a in an office all day long to get your job done, coupled with high density cities becoming less and less affordable, coupled with moving into a democratically run, a Democrat run um, four years, coupled with all of the spending that we've had, all of the stimulus that we had, all the money we've been printing, mm -hmm. I think we're headed for some changes in activity and changes. I don't think that there's going to be depressions or crashes anywhere, but I think that emerging markets are going to be the place to go. And so uh, I thought of you because when I was in Bakersfield, I truly, truly uh, saw what, in my opinion, was the uh, epitome of what an emerging market is and looks like and how it feels and the energy that I felt in that city when I was there. I knew that there was something special going on. I knew that there was a lot of activity. I know money was flowing towards it. Mm -hmm. And so my, my questions now, I had a lot to say there. My questions now are, Michael, being a buy and hold investor and being one of those voices of sound reason and understanding in this space, what are you seeing for 2021 in terms of where you're putting your smart money? Yeah, so 2021 is going to be um, a very good year for buy and hold real estate investors for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, we're coming off perhaps the toughest year to be what I was, a full-time employee who only makes offers out of the MLS, right? That was my book, right? We built a portfolio of nearly 200 units buying out of the MLS. And 2020 was impossible. I wrote almost 250 offers on MLS-based deals and got like, I got like 10 counters and got no deals, right? Wow. Right? So if that was the year I was starting, I'm feeling pretty low. But thankfully, I've got 20 years experience. I know 2020 was an anomaly because again, what 2020 was about is um, the what I call the move up buyer, right? The person who's been in their house for 10 years, maybe it was their starter home. They've, they've been in their job. They've, got, they've gotten raises. They got some equity. They're ready to move up. That buyer didn't move last year. The pandemic said, don't come touch my stuff. My kids are home. I don't want to move. It's too risky, blah, blah, blah. Those folks are going to come out in droves this spring. And what that means is we are going to see inventory double. And when I say inventory double, most people thought, oh my God, we're going to go to a seller's market. No, we're, we're at one month supply in Fresno, California and Bakersfield and these other Central Valley markets. And what this really means is we're just going to go back to normal. But what nor normal will feel like a bull market because I will have options. I fully expect to get back to buying five to eight properties out of the MLS because what will sell will be the FHA ready clean houses. The ones that won't sell are the ones that, you know what, we need to update the kitchen or the bath. And the ones that really won't sell are the ones that are, you know, need a full gut remodel. And what we were really missing was a lot of that inventory in 2020, and it's going to come in 2021. So I'm very excited. In addition, we already have seen rising interest rates. One of my experts that I talk to weekly is a mortgage broker, and he's texted me twice in six days about the 30-year interest rate going up an eighth. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, 
But when you go up an eighth twice, that's a quarter. And when you realize we were at 2.6 and now we're up 25 basis points, that's almost 10%. So I bring that up, not because it's big, but because it's telling you the trend is reversed. And what will happen as it rises, because we are spending perhaps 12, 14% of GDP on top of doing that last year, we're going to see you know, assets go up, interest rates go up. But what's going to happen is the owner-occupant, the person who crushed me in 2020, less of them will be competing with me because they always buy on payment. And if interest rates go up and prices, even if prices slow down, that's just a double whammy. Higher interest rates, slightly higher prices, double whammy, affordability could crash. So I am ecstatic about what's coming on. I'm telling everybody I know who's ever thought about real estate investing, spend January, February, and March learning. Because I do think it takes 60 or 90 days to learn your market and then get ready to rock and roll in the spring. Uh, we get this vaccine out, the weather turns better. There is no chance the American consumer is going to sit on their hands two years in a row. I've been watching the consumer for 20 years. I'm an, I have an econ degree, an MBA. We, we do not save in this country. We spend. And we have seen the money supply or M2 just crash because people are saving. And oh, by the way, they can't spend. So it's a forced savings, right? Malls are closed. Uh, I'm an, I, I, I'm a, I have Golden State season tickets. I can't go to a game, right? I'm not getting on an airplane. It's just all this stuff we can't do. That stuff is going to change when the vaccine gets rolled out. People are going to feel better. We are generally speaking a positive people. We want things. We want bigger and better and nicer things. So I am ecstatic by what's coming as an investor. If, if you follow my channel, you should definitely get your first, if not your first or second deals this year. And if you can work with wholesalers by telling them exactly what you're looking for, you got, you got the, the match made in heaven. Love it. Love it. That segues me nicely into my next question, Michael. So working with wholesalers for buy and hold investors, what are you looking for? How do you form a relationship with an individual like you? Uh, what, is that, what does it take to become Mike Zuber's go-to wholesaler? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, so the, I can tell you what doesn't work, you know, being one of the dozen people that actually, when you came to my office in Fresno, what I did is I threw down like an envelope full of those mailers that I get all the time. And you just started calling people, right? And like half of them didn't pick up. It was, it was amazing, right? So the first thing I could tell you is don't call me um, you, saying, hey, I want to buy your house at 123 Street. I, I think that's a horrible way to start a conversation. One of the things that I'm trying to tell wholesalers is, and again, you could tell me if I'm wrong, but one of the things that I hear from wholesalers all the time is it takes eight contacts to get a deal on average. So why start with, hey, can I buy your house? Why don't you start with, hey, my name is so-and-so. I cover this area. I'm looking at this. Did you know that? Add value. Make it a value-based discussion. Because if your first word is, hey, I want to buy your house, more often than not, I just hang up on you. I, I just, right. I, I don't need that. Well, you're not really selling right now. You're no, buying. I'm buying. So it's like they, 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 add, they, they came to you with the wrong question anyways. Exactly. The first, you know, it's the first one. Yeah. If the first question was, hey, I see you're a badass. You own a ton of houses and I need to sell deals to you. And guess what? I've got inventory. Are you buying? Would that even be a better opener? Yeah. How about even, Hey, I'm just curious. 2020, 2020 was rough for a lot of people, but it was also good for others. How did it treat you? And what are you doing in 2021? Mm. Done. And then shut up. Listen, that's what I would do. 
Wow, brother. That yeah. is, that is honestly, that's life-changing information. And uh, I wish my students were here to hear this. I'm going to need to bring you on to one of my coaching calls so that we can, we can Anytime. unpack this for uh, the people that are part of my program, because a lot of times we get so transactional with our communication, right? Mm -hmm. It's a, uh, it's sad. It's sad because like, you know, especially because we, we do this, you know, eight hours or however many hours you're on there prospecting, doing your thing. And you really just want to get to the, you want to cut to the chase. You're like, all right, show me the goods. Are you selling? Are you not selling? Are you selling? Are you not selling? And, and truly um, that's not how humans talk. That's not how we, how we connect with each other. That's not how we deepen relationships with each other. It is in fact, uh, that 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 whole thing seems thirsty and wrong, right? We don't like to deal with folks like that. You want to be in a relationship with your wholesaler. So you you you're saying to me, if a wholesaler approached you like a human being mm -hmm. and said, "Michael, here has been my year experience. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me yours." Exactly. That would be a, a conversation you would be open to having, and then that could segue into, "Let me see your deals." Well, yeah. I mean, well, it segues into either one. It could be either A, I am looking to sell because I got a couple of dogs or I got, I'm a frustrated landlord and I have eviction problems or whatever, who knows? Or you know what? I'm kicking ass, got a lot of capital to deploy because I sold a bunch of apartment buildings and I need to buy some stuff for 1031 or who knows, right? You just don't know. Or, hey, I'm selling here, but buying there. Let's have a, let's have a conversation. And and I understand, I mean, I have four wonderful wholesalers at the office, at, the, at, at my office called The Hub in Fresno. And I try to tell them all the time, right? They don't work for me. They're not my employees, but, you know, I try to give advice. And I'm telling you, if, if, the, if the goal is to have eight contacts, make the first one easy, right? Because I, I know that I get, I get people I'll reach out all the time. I'm a frustrated wholesaler. I've been doing it for three months and I'm making $100 a day and I'm chasing, I'm chasing a yes answer. And I know I need 99 no's and... Blah, blah, and you're just in a race to get no. Well, you know what? What if you tried to build 20 relationships a day? Right. That's it. I mean, again, you're not going to get a sale, but just think about going home at the end of the day or being at home and going to the kitchen table and saying, you know what, honey, I built 20 relationships a day. Instead of saying, you know what, honey, 10 people hung up on me. Three people called me an asshole. And, uh, you know, I left 12 voicemails. Your day is going to be better. Let's change it up a little bit. Let's elevate the conversation. I sold millions of dollars in software in my career over the phone. And it doesn't start with, hey, you want to buy my shit? It doesn't start there. <laughs> oh, man, that is gold. That is gold, Michael. I, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I always, I always uh, preach to lead with value and to, to treat people like human beings, to, to honor the relationship. You know, I'm not a cold caller right? I, that's not my model. It, 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 you know, for anyone who knows me, that's not the wholesale model we play. We're disposition people. So we help sell deals. We move deals. And so my whole uh, business is based off of relationships. It's based off of deepening relationships and, mm -hmm. and how the metrics that we track in my office are relationship scores. We score relationships. How deep is your relationship with this buyer? Is it a one, two, three, four, or five? There you go. Five meaning that you're being invited to the bar mitzvah. Right. Exactly. Right. One meaning you're still transactional, right? You're still very much like, Hey, we're, we doing this. We're not doing this. And that dance is delicate and it requires finesse and it requires time, patience and care. Yeah. I, I was hoping you're going to say that last word. It's, it's caring. Uh, 
a lot of people get into the wholesaling business in real estate in general. Buy and hold is really no different. People get into this business because they see dollar signs. They see wealth. They, frankly, some of them see easy money. Um, none of that is, I mean, it's not easy money, right? It's, no, it's, it's no such thing, right? There's, yeah, it, do, it doesn't exist except in the movies or lottery maybe. Um, you just, I, I promise you, you will have a better day. You have more good days than bad. And you will build a stronger business that is around for years, if not decades, if you started with, hey, again, we're January. It's a perfect time of year. Hey, I just wanted to give you a heads up you know, about Fresno, California. Did you know, you know, 3,412 homes sold, the median was this or that. Uh, I, you know, I personally did seven transactions. How was your year? And then you just shut up and listen. I think, I think wholesalers would be better to have, have the goal of the first phone call to be, I can call you back. I think that would be a good measure as opposed to counting voicemails and hangups and all those other things. I, I want to unpack that a second because I think that, 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 need, that was, could be lost. Um, what he said is the goal of the first call is to have a second. Exactly. You need oh eight God. contacts, right? So let's, right? you can't go from so one to eight. You're, you're not trying to, to get a contract. You're not trying to get a yes. You're not trying to get an address. You're trying to get a second call. That's all you're trying to do. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Man, oh, man, oh, man. So really that's good. what I would tell people. And that's how I would consult them. That's how I would train them. And um, yeah, that's, that's again, I, I did this for years and trained million dollar sales reps. It's, it's even when I was selling software, that's just ones and zeros. It's not, it's not in my world. It wasn't even, everybody wanted to race to the demo. That's what my world was. Get them on the phone, race, close for the demo, close for the demo. Are you kidding me? That's, that's the first phone call? No, that's probably the third or fifth phone call. What are you doing? What are you, you know, how are you? What, what's going on? What are the real problems? I mean, there's so many other conversations. We built this cause. Do you have that problem? You know, really go deep. And, you know, you may have less demos. Again, if you, but I don't got, I didn't get paid on demos. I didn't get paid for how many demos I had. I got paid for how many software I sold. And, you know, racing to the demo was a bad idea. Just like trying to race for a contract's a bad idea. You're you're not you're not appreciating the process. The process needs to mature and grow, and you know you, you need to add value, and they need to respect you, and it just needs to be a whole thing, a whole dance. Well, I think that's it's fitting that your book is called One Rental at a Time because it's the process that 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 in itself. The title of your book is is the process. Certainly for buy and hold. And again, it's interesting because again, I wrote it as buy and hold. It was, you know, hey, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and what happened and how'd you get there? But really it's the same for flippers. It's the same for wholesalers. It's one at a time. Um, you know, you may have, like if you're a real estate agent, you have, may have multiple escrows open, but you must treat them as individuals, right? You don't close this one and that one closes also, right? They're not sister or, or cousin contracts, at least most of the time. Yeah, it's just one at a time, folks. And I would tell you, don't rush it. When you rush things, when you don't appreciate it, A, you don't learn. The worst thing the worst thing that could happen for a wholesaler or someone, in my opinion, is you have success with like the seventh phone call. You find that one unicorn deal and then, you know, they come out of nowhere and then they just, it just never happens again, right? You've got right. to appreciate the process. And if your peers are telling you it takes eight contacts, appreciate it. Don't rush. Get to the second call. Get to the second call. That's that is your only goal. Second call. Unreal. Unreal.
So that's some, those are gems, Mike, gems. I'm learning a lot just, just listening to you. I'm, I'm going to, these are actionable things for me to talk to my, my people with. And thank you for that. Sure. My, uh, my next question is being a buy and hold investor, money has changed, right? The, the returns have changed. For They've sure. evolved in the, in the last three years. Mm -hmm. And so what is a buy and hold investor with a portfolio of 200 houses right now? Because you're so spoiled with your um, the returns you're getting right now from your previous purchases, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing gonna there's not like very little is gonna match that. So, how do you now look at your metrics and your numbers and what are you buying? Like, what did the what does the math have to be at? Oh, that's that's an awesome question, and you have, you have to subtly watch. So, one of the things that I teach, preach, and talk about in the book is I've looked at my market every day for 20 years, every day, even today, every day. And I do that because what I'm always trying to figure out is what is an average deal. So for example, the best time ever to buy a deal was 2010. I think we did 20 some odd buy and hold transactions. And, that, and my average yield was north of 15%. But that was one year out of 20. And I've bought, I have bought properties every year, including last year, which I just bought three or four wholesale deals last year and added one to my port or two to my portfolio. So I'm still growing. So I, I never look back, right? I don't go, oh my God, if I can't get 15% like 2010, I'm not doing the deal. I'm always looking for average. And my sole goal, the only thing I do and the only thing I teach is learn average and then do good or great. It's kind of like Warren Buffett or like Ted Williams, whatever your analogy is, is, hey, if you know what, you, what, what average is, you only have to do these other ones because you don't have to say yes for average. And the beauty about the MLS is you can say with great certainty that 98 to 99% of the stuff are average or bad. Right. Right. So that means if in my market today of Fresno, it's about 6%. It actually might be going down to about five and a half percent. Let's call it six for this phone call. That means every deal I have to do has to be north of 7%. That's all I think about. I don't go shit. A 7% deal is half of my old 15 because then I'd never buy anything again. I am only trying to identify average. Once I know average, I can configure and do good to great. And that's why I bought nothing out of the MLS in 2020 is because yes, I could, I could figure out deals. I could, I could figure out average, but then bidding wars happen and I don't chase, right? I know my numbers, you get past it, I'm out. So I offered list price probably on 25 deals, but of course in an environment with no inventory, just people just kept bidding up and you know, I don't play with that. I, the last thing I would do is take a great deal, say at 8% overpay and suddenly it's four. Right. I'd rather keep my money. So I learn average, Jamil. Today at six, I'll do a seven, seven and a half, eight all day long, even today, even though it's not 15. Honest, that's so great. That's so great. So you're, you're putting your money at, you know, it sounds to me like you're deploying at seven to eight. Mm -hmm. Average is six for, for Fresno, Bakersfield, that central, central Valley. Central Valley. Um, there are markets in the United States right now where you, for $75,000 in spend, you can get $1,000 in rent. Sure. And uh, I see them all the time. Places like Michigan, Indiana, Oklahoma. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and that is, that's good math. Oh, right? sure. Yeah. So what keeps you in your backyard versus deploying funds into markets like that? So a couple of answers, and this, I do not mean this to sound arrogant or prickish or anything. It's just the truth. 
I already can fund my daily life. I have no huge wants, needs, or desires. So I have zero interest in adding risk to my portfolio. The hardest thing to do is grow a new team, right? So if you are going to pick what I'll call an out-of-state market, you need to verify boots on the ground first, then the market, right? For example, uh, you said Michigan earlier. Let's just pick Detroit, for example. I know nothing about Detroit, so don't crush me, YouTube world. So let's say I find a, a 2% deal in, in, in Detroit, which means you can buy it for 50 grand, it rents for a thousand bucks, right? That 2% rule. I, that sounds great in Excel, but for all I know, it's on a gang infested street with burned out units next door or behind it, or there's a, a closed down factory that's leaking, you know, a mi I mean, I don't know anything about it, right? I don't believe Excel sheets is the first thing, but most importantly, again, I need boots on the ground. So for example, if Detroit was that number and then Huntsville, Alabama was a hundred grand for a thousand bucks, but I had my my best man from my wedding there, I would go to Huntsville every time. Because what I tell people is whoever is boots on the ground, this is this sounds rough, but it is what I believe, is will they get on a plane and fly to your funeral? If you die, will they show up at your funeral? If not, they're just a service arm, right? You're paying them 10% as a property manager or 6% as an agent. They're not going to tell you the truth because the biggest thing as a buy and hold landlord, you need someone to tell you the truth about bad news. Bad news doesn't get better with age. It just never does. So for me, boots on the ground is number one. I, and again, people don't realize, I, while I technically invest in the state I live in, it's two and a half hours drive one way. So just to see one house, it takes me five hours. You can get right. to a lot of the US in that time on an airplane. So it's like investing out of state. It just happens to not cross a state line. Um, but the real answer is I don't want to build another team. I don't have to build another team. Um, so I, I, I find myself, I am, I'm lucky in that aspect, I guess. Love it. Love it. I have personally been looking at other emerging markets. And so uh, part of that question was uh, to see if I could follow where, where the Zoob's money was going next. Yeah. Um, I get, well, that's a different question. I didn't hear that, but I, I well, think there's that's, a, the, that's the next question, Michael, yeah, where's, I think, where, where's your money going next? So if, if I, somebody put a gun to my head or I had a time clock and I had to go back to zero and I couldn't invest in Fresno, I would be looking uh, South, right? Red States. Um, like Alabama is really interesting to me. <coughs> what I see out in Alabama is really interesting. Um, Alabama, Alabama, Tennessee is getting a little pricey, but Tennessee's- Birmingham uh, is one of my favorite places. Yeah, Birmingham would be, yeah, Birmingham would be the one. Birmingham one, Huntsville two, and they're both in Alabama. Uh, you know, gun to head, that's where I'd go. And you know, I got boots on the ground, meaning they would fly to my funeral out there. Well, so that, that makes it a home run then. Yeah. I mean, you're very lucky. I mean, I couldn't invest there. I mean, I have some friends that I've encountered because of YouTube and Facebook and all of that but I have nobody that would show up at my funeral. And that's it, that folks, don't, don't write that off. You need somebody that's gonna call you Sunday at 9 a.m. when you're in church and tell you, you know what, one of, your, one of your tenants is selling drugs or they parked the car on the grass or something. Your property manager is probably not gonna tell you because they don't wanna bother you. You need, the, you need to hear the bad information. And they don't, they don't wanna give you like problems that are gonna make it look like they're doing a bad job. Exactly. You need, again, I can't tell you, bad information never gets better with age. 
just never does. Uh, do you use a property management company? Since day one, yeah. Do you buy from your property management company? I have. Uh, they generally don't list, but occasionally throughout the years, because they do manage now 5,000 units, they have a, a, a owner who wants to sell and they look internally first. So I have. It's not a huge deal source for me, but I have. Got it. Got it. I, you know, I have uh, uh, students that when they get a good deal, will call a property management company to see if there'd be a potential buyer there. Oh, for and sure. So and so you think that's a viable strategy for them to find somebody? Oh, absolutely. One of the things you'll know about all property managers is they have investors. I mean, that's just the, that, you know, you can connect A and B. Awesome. Awesome. It's a great idea. If, if um, you had to uh, start over hmm. right now um, with, with, you know, no assets, no houses, and you were able to be plopped in any market, outside and even then just where you are where would you be would you stay where you are would you pick somewhere else so if i was single i would go somewhere where the median price was sub 100 grand right so let's right. just rewind the clock and, and magically i'm 20 wouldn't that be fun let's pretend i'm 20 right i'm with you uh, yeah. um i would probably go somewhere where i could where i could fundamentally live on two to 2500 bucks a month and be financially free that's going to be probably down south. Might even be Alabama. Just to give Alabama again. I don't know for sure, folks. Don't blow me up. I don't know. But it might be Mississippi. might be Louisiana. I don't know. But basically what I would want to do is I want to find a place I can live comfortably on, say, 2500 bucks a month. Because at 20, I know with great certainty, even starting from zero, I could be financially free by 25. Awesome. I mean, that would be the goal. I mean, I, I love talking to high school students. I've had the luxury of doing that seven or eight times now. And I ask them all. Who could live on two grand a month? And they always raise their hand. They have no idea what stuff costs, right? But I'm, and then what I tell them is great. If you really can live on two grand a month, you could be financially free by 25, right? You're, the real sad fact about most Americans is they are as close to financial freedom the day they leave school, whether you're a dropout of high school, high school graduate, college dropout, college graduate, you are as close to financial freedom the day you leave because after that consumerism takes over. I just think that's well, I, I, I would I would the only thing I would disagree with you on in, in this entire call would be that you added college into that because <laughs> I personally I think it's a, a total waste I don't I still have yet to find I mean I, I come from an East Indian background so uh, you can imagine what I grew up with in terms of you know you got to be a doctor you got to be a doctor you got I actually uh, I have a physiology degree. I have a bachelor's of science in physiology. I took the path my mom and dad wanted me to take. I, 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 I uh, took the MCAT exam and uh, didn't get into medical school, thankfully. And because of that, decided I was going to take my own destiny in my hands and be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and the rest is history. However, you know, I was saddled with college debt yeah, and, and that's difficult. You can't bankrupt that. You can't get out of it. You've got to pay it. And I'm seeing so many people out there that are going on these four-year degrees oh, and man. truly, truly, truly coming out with a hundred thousand dollars in debt, their degrees in sociology. And now they, you know, yeah, or anything else that's not a professional designation. And, and, and so I would love to get your thoughts on that college, no college. Um, so, so first off, I'm right there with you. I think, I think we went through a generation and I'm, you and I are in it where the answer was go to school, get a good job, 
worked there forever, right? It was basically- well, there was an ROI then. There was yeah. an ROI on school. Well, they were supposed to be, right? We were basically oh. repeating what the baby boomers did, our parents. Right. And it worked for them. And they, yeah. there's nothing wrong. What, what they told us to do is what they did and what they, what they did worked worked for them. No question. Gen X, where you and I fall, it kind of started falling apart, right? Because no longer was the average tenure at a job 12 to 15 years, right? I'm in the Valley. There was a time in 2000, the average tenure was nine months, right? Right. When dot coms were popping off everywhere, everybody was changing jobs like girlfriends or boyfriends. It was crazy. Um, But it just, it just blew apart. So um, I believe if you're, if you want to be in, there's a few careers that require a degree, attorney, doctor, accountant, an engineer, computer scientist. If that's your passion and you want that career, you need a degree or it's really tough to compete. Not required. It's just more difficult. If you have a passion for something like it is in you, like you want to be an Egyptologist or something that's just like you can't, like you would do it without it. And you're going to go on and be a PhD and you know the outcome is to either be some kind of author or teacher and that and you are excited about that go but if your parents tell you to go get a degree and you're going to do just something that you know is easy like philosophy or sociology or music or whatever business. yeah whatever business, uh, business you know again yeah, it, just to get the degree to to keep mom and dad happy for most people that's a bad answer that's just a bad answer um in school is much more expensive. I mean, I left school and, and I went to junior college because I had to pay for my education. You went to junior college, didn't know what I wanted to do, spent three years instead of two, finally got to my uh, Santa Clara, my university, and I left with 40 grand in debt for two years. It took me a long time to pay that off. So I understand. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it's definitely breaking apart. So what I tell most people is if you're questioning college, you might want to take a break. You might want to take a year off, go figure it out. Or at least do junior college where it's a lot less punitive. Right, right. Man, this, is a, this has been a great chat. Any questions for me, Mike, on uh, the state of wholesaling in, in uh, 2021 or where we're kind of looking? Yeah, I would, I mean, I would love to hear from you. Uh, again, I'm excited by what's coming. Uh, I'm curious, was your volume down a little bit in 2020? Like my yeah. volume was down? Yeah, our volume was down. So, um, you know, down is relative, right? So sure. our average year is a thousand houses. That's how, that's how many houses we'll transact on. Yeah. And so in the pandemic year, we were sub 700, which was. Yeah. And I'd be curious tough. if you scratch, because again, I think that's to be expected because I think a lot of people had just hit the pause button. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we paused for a few months there. Like, you know, I'd say March, you know, March 10th, to you know may 10th may 15th ish was yeah. was really really i'd say at about a third volume mm-hmm. of what we would normally do yeah and then uh and then you know mid-may it was just bananas again it was just houses were moving everything was going we uh in fact we were bought we were buying in march april yeah. and so we got we we got some killer deals in those in those few months because yeah. everybody was so scared so we were able to buy at like 2015 2016 prices like for that small little window so we bought everything again remember i was saying i was super bullish and i yeah. didn't believe i did have moments of oh, <laughs> oh what did i do <laughs> you might be really really messing up here but uh it, it worked out it was all good but yeah our volume was was down a little 
but in addition to that, we franchised last year. So we had a little bit of focus that was that, you know, directed in other, other places. Um, that is awesome. Uh, I just found out actually that uh, our goal was to sell 30 franchises in 2020 because we just, you know, we launched four months ago. Yeah. We hit 29. So we were very close. Our goal for 2021 was 150 franchises and we actually sold all 150 of them just a couple of days ago. Wow. And so we're sold out of franchises for 2021. We're now taking deposits for 2022. That is so, amazing. So that's where we've gone with our, with our franchise model. It's really good. Um, for anybody that is watching your channel, if you're looking for investment property, please reach out to me or someone on my team at Keegley. We've got franchises across the country. Michael, we've got deals in, in Alabama, um, Huntsville, and Birmingham. We've got deals all over the country that really pencil out and make sense. And thanks to Michael uh, from our conversation today, we will learn better how to serve our buy and hold investor clients uh, with humanity, with compassion and care, truly having your heart uh, and your best interest in our, in our hearts. And so that's the, that's the foundation of our business model. That's how we operate. It is based on love. It is based on care. And, uh, and, and truly feeling as though it is our money that we are deploying. And so every purchase you make is, is, is one that we're dedicated to and that we, we really take um, strong, strong consideration about. So it's been, it's been fantastic. And Jamil, where do you want him to go? Is it just Keegley.com? Is it Keegley IG? Where do you want him to go? Yeah, so it, it would make most sense because of uh, just how I man my Instagram to just come to my Instagram. It's at... J D A M J I at J Damji. Again, it's at J D A M J I. Find me there uh, and uh, send me a DM and see if we're in your market and we will rep respond and get you as many details as we can. Very cool, Jamil. Thank you very much for all you do. It's always fun talking to you. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself as well, brother. Thanks, man.